guys. Welcome to episode 177 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. Adam. Steph. And Haley. And so I know while we were recording our last episode, we had to stop a couple times because Taylor kept doing things and it was really annoying. Like, we would say, I wonder what she's going to be for Halloween. And then, oh, there's the photo. And then, oh, I wonder where she got the costume from. Oh, she just posted. She got it from Ryan Reynolds. And it was very distracting. She wiretapped us. <laughs> she had to have. There's no other explanation. That was funny. So I wonder if it will happen again with some type of tweet or Instagram post from her uh, this Sunday evening that we're recording. And so after that happened, we were like, okay, well, this kind of like took care of the news for the week that usually happens right after we get done recording. But actually, we were very wrong because this week was pretty eventful as it turned out. Right. As we mentioned last week, usually right after we record the next day, something huge happens. And well, yeah, the next day something huge happened. And so earlier this week, it was announced that Taylor is actually the songwriter for the recent song Better Man, which is a song released by the group Little Big Town, who, if you're not familiar, is a pretty popular country act. And so that was really exciting. The song has some very personal lyrics that we're going to be talking about later. And then even beyond that, we're more surprised because Taylor, against our predictions, I think, showed up at the CMA Awards. Yes, it was definitely against my prediction. I said she wasn't going to show up, and then there she was. I think I said that I thought she would show up, and then you guys kind of talked me out of it. I just didn't think it would happen. I knew it was a big deal because it was the 50th year, and they were doing this big thing for all the entertainers of the year, but yeah, I was surprised. And so I guess the events of the whole week have just left us with a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions, and... We're going to be discussing those a little bit later because there's honestly so much possibility right now. And so before we get into some more of that, we have some great older tweets. Our first one comes from November 2nd of 2009, and I can't believe this was seven years ago. Taylor said, starting the SNL process, I kind of feel like I might have a heart attack or pass out in the pitch meeting. I'm that excited. And... Every year I've been saying she needs to go back, but it's just not happening. I feel like I should just give up. And every year we say, I think this is going to be the year that she does it. Yeah, this would be a good time to do it. <laughs> yeah, there's no announcement in sight. Maybe it will happen one day, but something I don't understand. Well, on November 3rd of 2010, Taylor tweeted, I can't believe this. And there are ellipses between each word there and she wrote you guys have absolutely lit up my world thank you and of course this was referring to the first week album sales of the speak now album and it was the very first time taylor ever had her first week sales exceed 1 million copies and of course since then she's done that two more times with red and 1989 with each album having increased sales each time, which is really unheard of in today's music industry. Our next one comes from November 3rd of 2011, and she said, hanging out with my new roommate, Meredith. And she put a picture of her and her cat. 
five years, guys. I don't feel like that was the same cat that she currently has today. <laughs> like, I feel like she started out as this sweet little kitten, and now she's like another species. Yeah, didn't Taylor describe it as when Meredith was named the most popular pet celebrity or something, she just completely changed? <laughs> I think that's really, really accurate. She let the fame go to her head. <laughs> She was in the music video for ours and then was named the top pet celebrity. And so a year later, November 1st, 2012, Taylor tweeted, Just walked the red carpet at the CMAs. Who's going to watch tonight? Cool. Thanks. And I just thought that was funny timing because at that point, 2012, it was pretty much a given that she would always attend the CMAs until her music changed a little bit. Well, that was the year she had that great kind of like red and white dress on and she posted that photo of her on the floor with Meredith. I love that photo. It was right before the award show. Yes, that was a great photo. And yeah, we all figured she would always be there. And I'm pretty sure that award show she performed, she would have performed Begin Again. I think that's right. What was the one where she performed Ours on the Couch? Oh, that was the previous year. That was 2011. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, 2011. Our next tweet comes from 2013. On November 3rd, Taylor wrote, So excited to be debuting The Last Time with Gary from Snow Patrol on the X Factor UK tonight. It's good to be back in London, 8 p.m. That particular performance was, I thought, fantastic. Did she only perform that live? twice that time and then once on tour i believe so yes and of course the music video for that is based off the live performance during the red tour well on november 4th of 2014 taylor tweeted industry experts predicted 1989 would sell 650,000 the first week you went and bought 1.287 million albums and she included a video on Instagram where she's dancing along in the car to Kendrick Lamar's backseat freestyle song. And like I said, Taylor with each album has increasing sales. It's just a straight incline. It's really fun if you look at the numbers. I've always really loved that clip. It's been one of my favorites because it's fun to see Taylor, even though she's lip syncing, she's, you know, rapping. And it's just funny to think that she knows all the words to that song. Uh, because it's it's not a clean song. <laughs> no, and it goes really fast, I think. It's hard to keep up. I can't even handle Ed Sheeran's songs. And he goes pretty fast. I feel like Kendrick goes faster than Ed, though. I agree. I could barely do the rap part during Bad Blood, the remake. Oh, yeah, that's tough. I mess up parts of that all the time. Our last one is from November 5th of 2015, and she said, Sending congrats from Singapore to Nashville to my friends who won CMAs tonight. Luke Bryan, Miranda Lambert, Chris Stapleton, and Little Big Town. And here we are a year later, and we're going to be talking about the song Taylor wrote for Little Big Town. It's pretty cool. And so now we're going to move into our news segment, and we have a few news items to catch you guys up on from this week. And the first one is, as we mentioned, 
while we were recording episode 176, it was posted that Taylor had a Halloween party, which was in New York last week, and she dressed up as Deadpool, which the costume was borrowed directly from Ryan Reynolds, which is pretty funny. And the guests at the party included Kennedy Ray, Camila Caballo, Lily Donaldson, Gigi Hadid, Martha Hunt, and Emmy Gundler. And Gigi was quoted as saying, Halloween was really cool. We were all working, so we just had a little girls' night, and we had chips and guac and pizza. Sounds like a great night to me. Absolutely. And they sat in a bathtub with wine. (laughs) Well, Camila also talked about the party in an interview. It's funny how anytime anyone hangs out with Taylor, the person is always asked about it immediately in any kind of interview. So, of course, Camila was asked about it, and she just talked about the costume and said, Taylor just said, oh, yeah, Ryan gave it to me. And then the interviewer asked her how the suit could fit her if it was Ryan's. And she said she really had no idea, but she was very excited because she touched the actual costume. I actually wonder that, too. I don't know. I feel like Ryan might be shorter than Taylor, and Taylor's skinnier than him. I don't know. I also think they probably have multiple Deadpool costumes. Maybe. This is just my idea, is it was a stunt person's costume that was more fitted towards them. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they have to have multiple costumes for all the stunt people. But the costume was such a hit. I even heard on my radio, on the morning show, the DJs were talking about it, and they were very impressed. (laughs) And they also said they now have to have the Deadpool sequel as soon as possible. Played by Taylor. (laughs) I feel like this has been a familiar headline in the past, but Forbes has announced that Taylor is the highest paid woman in music. She earned in the past year $170 million, with Adele coming in second at $80 million and Madonna in third at $76 million. And the article that came with it was interesting. It talked about how her 1989 tour grossed over $250 million, where she shattered the Rolling Stones record. And then also a lot of that income came from selling more than 3 million albums in the past year, and that's all of her albums combined. And then in addition to that, she has her sponsorships with Keds, Diet Coke, and Apple. So all those things combined make her the highest paid woman in music. Wow. It's just amazing when you're Taylor Swift, you haven't released an album in over two years at this point, yet she still made $170 million. And now that she has a deal with AT&T, along with the other ones Adam just mentioned, I'm sure her earnings will continue to increase. I was also thinking, because of the timing of that article, I wonder if it didn't even count how much money she made from the Texas concert. Right, there's no mention of that in there. And this has never been confirmed, but we heard that Taylor made $20 million from performing in Austin. It's not too bad for a, a one-night show to roll in $20 million. But she was playing for 80,000 people. Well, as we mentioned earlier, Taylor surprised us by showing up at the CMA Awards this year. And she was involved in the show not just by presenting the award for Entertainer of the Year, 
but she also filmed a congratulatory message to Kenny Chesney because Kenny actually won the Pinnacle Award. And as you likely know, the Pinnacle Award is a very special award. Only three people have ever received it, with Garth Brooks being the first person, and then Taylor was the second. And that actually happened three years ago, today, as a recording. And that was amazing when Taylor won it. She had a cute little performance by Lennon and Maisie where they did this You Belong With Me little performance right in front of her seat. And then they had this great video and all the people Taylor ever opened for presented this award to her. If you haven't seen the video of that, you should go look at it. But anyways, Taylor was included in Kenny's award video and Taylor said, you deserve this so much. You've been amazing to me and everyone in country music. We all love you. So I thought that was really nice. Especially Taylor opened for Kenny, and he was one of the people to present the Pinnacle Award to her three years ago. And I would also say that I'm sure it's only because of timing that it hasn't happened yet. He will definitely be a guest on her next tour. Taylor was a guest at his show. I was surprised it didn't happen during 1989. But when you're talking about artists who can sell out stadiums, Kenny and Taylor are at the top of the list. Oh yeah, Kenny's been doing it for years. Another thing I wanted to ask you guys about was a really cool tweet from Scott Borchetta this past week that kind of goes along with the CMAs, but it's more just of a anniversary. Uh, Scott Borchetta tweeted a picture that said 12 years ago, so back in 2004, was the time when he first met Taylor and saw her perform at the Bluebird in Nashville. And it was a photo of, you could see Scott with the back of his head and his black hair, and then Taylor with her guitar, and then Andrea was in the photo too, uh, sitting against the wall in the back. And I wanted to see if you guys saw that, and I just thought it was a really, really cool photo. I thought that was really neat. It was especially crazy for me because I was just at the Bluebird a few weeks ago, and Andrea was sitting basically where I sat cool and i would just literally do anything or pay any amount of money to see her either back there or back at the opry either one i just you know like you wish you could go back in time to be there for that absolutely can you imagine seeing taylor at the bluebird wow but it's cool that scott even had that photo and posted it so another really touching moment at the CMAs was right before Taylor presented the award for Entertainer of the Year, Brad Paisley announced Taylor coming on, and he said, not only has she won this next award twice, but she also holds the record for the most awarded country album in history for Fearless. And then he said, please welcome back Taylor Swift. That's cute how he said welcome back. Yeah, I thought it was really nice. Can I also just make a really petty complaint, though, that as she was walking up there, the music they were playing was not a Taylor song? (laughs) What was it? It was some weird instrumental music. I don't know. I just felt like they should have played one of her old songs or something. Yeah, that really would have been nice. I actually didn't notice that until you said that. Like I said, it was a petty complaint, but still. So in presenting the award, Taylor came back and she said that It was almost 13 years since she came to Nashville with a dream of being a songwriter and a recording artist. She also learned so much about what it means to be an entertainer from the remarkable artists in the arena. 
And then she said that it was just one of the reasons why she felt so honored to present the next award to all those nominees for Entertainer of the Year and to be a part of this historic night that everyone will remember. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, this was the 50th year and they actually said that every person who's still alive, whoever won Entertainer of the Year, was present, which is, I think, pretty neat. I think that would be hard to pull off, but everybody was there. And I think it's just really nice that they asked Taylor to present this award. And the fact that she presented it to Garth Brooks is also pretty cool. Do you guys remember, I don't remember exactly, but maybe someone does, on last year's award show, I'm pretty sure it was last year's, didn't they make a lot of jokes about how much they missed Taylor and she needed to come back? I think they did. And the year before, they also talked about it. Because the last time Taylor was at the CMAs was 2013. So I'm really glad that they had her back. I think that they probably realized as soon as she went over to Pop just how much better she made the award shows. Because as soon as she stopped going was when they started having all of these random performers that are not in the country genre. Exactly. And actually, the day of the CMAs, we were all talking amongst ourselves when it was announced that Beyonce would be there. And we thought, oh, yeah, Taylor's definitely not going to be there. They're having Beyonce come in. So they didn't announce Taylor was there until halfway through the show. And I'm sure they saw a spike in ratings when that announcement was made. Because people like me were not watching the show. But then I found out Taylor was there and I turned it on. So I haven't seen anything about the actual ratings data, but... I bet it would be interesting to look at. And then, of course, once they announced her, they didn't show her at all until the very, very, very end. Yeah, I thought that was kind of nice. I felt like she was being respectful. She probably knew if she would have been sitting in the audience, the camera would have been on her the whole time. And she probably didn't want that. Yeah, definitely. I just feel like in terms of how the award shows try and manipulate us, they always draw us in with promises (laughs) of Taylor and then make us stay tuned in for as long as possible. Right, until the very end. (laughs) We're very easily manipulated, obviously. (laughs) Although I do have to say... So the next piece of news is pretty exciting. E! News has reported that, via an insider, Taylor and Drake are definitely in the studio making music together. And this is pretty exciting to hear because, of course... When Taylor was at his birthday party, that must mean she's dating him, according to general (laughs) population. So even though they've been friends for years, and this is far from the first time that they've been seen together or photographed together, for some reason, this was the news item of the week. So I'm glad that it might be more for a professional reason. But the insider said the music they've been working on is, quote, very different and very catchy. I mean, obviously, with insiders... It's never really confirmed, but it seems likely. Right. When you have a source like E! News, it usually is accurate. And so shortly after this was reported, Drake posted a photo on Instagram of the two of them with their backs facing the camera, which was taken at his birthday party. And the caption on the photo was, is that velvet? I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what that means either. I feel like he's just trying to be coy in some weird way but to me i feel like he's also just kind of feeding the fire here which to me makes it seem like yeah this is happening so my biggest question is if they are working together is it for music that she is planning on releasing or 
Is she honestly just hopping around to different genres and collaborating? That is a great question. Yeah, I actually don't know Drake's album schedule. I thought, though, that he recently released an album. He released an album in April. Oh, okay. However, he's Drake. I feel like he can do whatever he wants. And also, Drake is very well known, I feel like, for collaborating with tons of different people all the time. He probably has so much music that I can't even think of off the top of my head, but that isn't part of his actual albums. So if they are working together, it wouldn't even have to be for one of their albums. They could be working with even other people that we don't know of yet. Yeah, that's a good point. Although, since you say he released an album in April, if it is going to be on an album, I would say it will be on Taylor's. Yeah, it seems much more likely. I agree. Also, though, they both have partnerships with Apple, so who knows what it could be. That's true. Yeah, maybe it could be an Apple-exclusive single that is not on either of their albums, something like that. Oh, yeah, I like that. And we know that with Taylor's very first Apple commercial, she played Jumpman by Drake while she was on the treadmill. Everything does seem like it's connected. So, in researching more about Drake's sponsorship with Apple. It was announced back in the spring that Apple was going to be sponsoring his upcoming tour, which is now done. But at the time, this article points out that this was the first time Apple Music has officially backed anybody's concert tour. Wow. Huh. So do you think Apple will sponsor Taylor's next tour or? I definitely do. What about the AT&T thing though? Is that separate? I don't even know how to begin to, like, dissect how that all works from a business perspective, but obviously AT&T and iPhones and Apple, like, it all seems connected to me. Very true, yeah. It seems like it could all work together really well. Hmm. Well, this is all just really interesting. Taylor seems to be very into collaborations this year. And speaking of collaborations, This Is What You Came For became the only song released this year to be certified two times platinum in the UK. And actually, Calvin recently tweeted, Calvin Harris, I am blessed to work with incredible artists, Rihanna and Taylor Swift. Thank you. So that was interesting, but very cool. It's just, to me, as we'll talk about later in this episode, crazy that Taylor not only wrote This Is What You Came For this year, but also Better Man. And so now, before we get into all of that, we have some quick fashion updates. Right. As we mentioned last week, for Taylor's Halloween party on October 31st, she wore Ryan Reynolds' costume for Deadpool, and that is made by Angus Srathi, and it's a custom costume. And with that, she wore Frida Salvatore boots, and they're called Star Job Per Ankle Boots, which are $595. And then at the 50th Annual Country Music Awards, she wore a Julian McDonald Spring 2017 Collection dress, which was amazing. She had Stuart Weitzman Sultry Sandals, which were $435. And she was wearing Garrett Design Earrings. And her rings were Maxor, Jorius, Burgorny, Jules, and a House of Gilead ring. So she was definitely wearing a lot of rings that night. I thought she looked great overall, though. 
It was a good outfit choice. So that was really all the fashion we had for this week. Unfortunately, we didn't see too much else of Taylor, but hopefully we'll see some more of her this week. And as always, you guys can get all of the fashion information from TaySwiftStyle.com. And so it's kind of been what we've been talking about already this entire episode, but we really need to dive more into this announcement and the song Better Man because it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, this is a song that Taylor wrote completely independently. And on 1989, the only song Taylor wrote completely on her own was This Love. And of course, This Is What You Came For, Taylor wrote the lyrics all on her own. So really, since 1989, we've only had three songs completely written by Taylor, and this is the third song. So I, for one, was pretty excited about that because Speak Now is a really important album to me because Taylor wrote it all by herself and just showcased her writing ability. And I think it's great when she collaborates with people because she learns a lot through the writing process. But sometimes I feel like people criticize her and think, oh, she can't write a song. She needs all this help. But then she just proves time and time again that she can write any song in any genre, anytime. That's true. Just because she uses lots of co-writers on 1989 does not detract from the fact that she's still an exceptional songwriter. Well, Little Big Town talked about the song. The song was actually released on October 20th, so the announcement wasn't made until November 1st, which I thought was great because I think all parties involved knew that when Taylor would be announced as the songwriter, things would be very different. And so They all wanted the song to hit the radio without anyone having that knowledge about Taylor. So Little Big Town was actually talking about it. And they said, we've been telling you guys, some of you have been asking, and we told you that there was a young girl from Nashville who wrote it by herself, and it's Taylor Swift. She sent us this song, and it was one that was really special to her, and she thought of us because of the harmonies. She's never pitched a song to somebody before. The moment we heard it, we were like, man, that is a song that we're going to cut. Immediately, we all had the same reaction. We've always, through our whole career, anytime we've had that reaction to a song, we knew it felt right. This one just felt special, and we've known Taylor since she was in high school. She's a dear friend of ours. So it was an easy decision for them, which, of course, and we know that Little Big Town and Taylor have been close for a long time. Taylor has talked about them a lot. She's had them on tour. Just even recently for the 1989 tour, they were special guests. So when they decided to record this, they talked about what happened when they actually played the song for Taylor. And this was a neat little quote from them. So Little Big Town said, We played it for Taylor when we finished, and she was really, really excited. We said, Hey, we're not just going to blab that you wrote this immediately. And she said, You know what? That's the greatest honor as a songwriter that you can give me is that you don't want anyone to know that I wrote this. We knew that we would tell eventually, and it was a hard question to dodge for a while, and the only reason we didn't say who it was is because we wanted you to hear the song for what it's worth. And it's a beautiful song. And at her heart, Taylor is the biggest pop star in the world, but she's a songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. She likes to tell a story, and we didn't want you to have any subtext there other than to hear the song. And we did that. I love that quote. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really, really neat. That's really amazing. 
It makes me wish that all of her songs could have that same moment without being judged by all of the clutter and made-up rumors that media perpetuates. Well, exactly, because as soon as it was announced that Taylor wrote this, that's what happened. The media latched onto it and it became all these news articles, which is just irritating. So I like the way they approached it and they waited. And, you know, I think that's probably why Taylor didn't tell anyone about this is what you came for either. Yeah, because with that song, obviously it's a lot less lyrically deep than this one but in the edm genre that it was intended for it's the perfect formula to be a smash hit and she let it become that and prove that it could be that yeah and for that song she waited way longer probably because she feared that if people knew sooner it maybe wouldn't have become what it was which is just sad and it just really makes me wonder because you know taylor has to figure out the best time to do things and I'm sure that any decision that she makes as far as releasing music, you know, she agonizes over as far as when and how to do it. I just wonder if with all the events of the past few months, if she had been writing music that, you know, she was hoping to put out herself and then for whatever reason decided that this was the better way to do it. Right. In these quotes, Little Big Town said Taylor thought of them because of the harmonies. But again, when we were talking amongst ourselves about this song, Ashley pointed out maybe she didn't want to sing this song herself because of all the questions that would be surrounding it. I think that's a very good point. It's really brilliant because Taylor has to be sick of everybody asking her questions about her personal life. And this was a perfect way to avoid it, to get out her personal feelings without having to actually answer to the media. And Steph, you talked about the quote about how she picked Little Big Town because of the harmonies. And that made me think of the choice that she made because I then went and thought about a lot of different artists that maybe she could have given the song to, but how it does fit so perfectly with Little Big Town. Because Little Big Town is, I would say, a unique group because it's two males and two females. And of course, you have a lot of solo male artists, you have solo female artists, you have some duos. Um, So if you think about this song and maybe think of Carrie Underwood or Miranda Lambert or somebody like that singing it, I don't think it would be as good as it wound up being with Little Big Town. Yeah, I completely agree. The way they made this song made it special because they are a group, and I think it does work better with a group. Although I am dying to hear Taylor sing it by herself. That's true. (laughs) I really don't know... If I think she ever will, I'm kind of on the fence. Exactly, yeah. I feel like it could be a one-and-done thing, and I probably will miss it and be devastated, but I don't know. So after all of this came out in the news on November 1st, Taylor confirmed it through an Instagram post. She posted, Feeling really honored that a band I've loved for so many years decided to record this song I wrote. And then she wished Little Big Town good luck at the CMA Awards. And then the just effect of this announcement was crazy to me. As soon as it was announced, I looked on iTunes to see exactly where the song was charting. And it was at 138. It might have been even below that before because I looked after it was already announced. So it was at 138. And then within less than 24 hours, it went to number one. And it's just insane, the 
influence Taylor has, she can make any song go to number one, really. And the cool thing was that it actually hit number one by the time the CMA Awards were being aired. So Taylor was with Little Big Town and they all got to celebrate the fact that it hit number one. So I've been trying to hear this song on the radio. I don't listen to country all the time. I tend to, in the morning, like to listen to radio DJs who talk because I don't like the morning and they're usually on pop stations. But ever since last week, I've been listening way more to country radio and I still haven't actually heard the song on the radio at all. Have any of you heard it yet? Not yet. No, not yet. I have not. I do know the two radio stations in Colorado that are played most have to have a really long chart-topping time frame. So I have not heard it, but I'm waiting to. Yeah, I think this might be a slower build. I think that's just how radio works. It will climb the charts steadily, and we'll probably start hearing it on the radio all the time. And unfortunately, this song will not be eligible for the 2017 Grammy Awards. Didn't make the cutoff. I thought it would have been really cool if, say, This Is What You Came For would be nominated and this song. It would just show how versatile of an artist and songwriter Taylor is. But unfortunately, that won't happen. I do think this song will have a big impact on radio. And you can tell just through the reviews that were written before it was even announced that Taylor wrote the song. One review, which did give the song an A, said a few really interesting things. They called it a painfully honest exploration of the feelings created by a necessary breakup, and they said, Better Man is one of the best and most original singles of the year. It's definitely different than what is being played on radio right now. Yeah, for me, that's one of the reasons why I haven't been listening to country as much. It's just not, as this review says, it's not original. It all sounds the same. And it's really interesting for me because I've gotten very interested in just the whole songwriting process in country music and sort of the way it works in Nashville. And I've gone to a couple of writers' rounds where you hear from these singer-songwriters that are not the people you're hearing on the radio, but the people actually sitting and writing sessions and creating all of these songs, and they'll play you a few songs that they wrote recently, and then they'll tell you which ones are the ones that end up getting picked up by, you know, the major big country artists. And it seems like a lot of times these people write these very personal songs, and then the ones that end up getting picked up and actually recorded are the ones that are more generic. Right. I think the songs you hear on country radio now are more generic. They are repetitive. They're not very personal. They don't really tell a story anymore. And I just don't know why that is, because even for artists who don't write their own music, there's so much music out there that they can record. And I feel like it's almost as if they don't think the audience deserves better. I don't know. People really generally, I feel like, are more affected by these more personal songs and they just mean a lot more. I guess the generic songs sell, but I feel like the audience is smarter and deserves better. For me, I think it all comes down to money. I think the generic songs appeal to a larger audience. People want to hear something catchy that they don't have to think about. And if you really examined the trends of country music, really since Taylor entered the country music scene, there's been more of an audience. There are more fans of country music. But as the fans increase, it seemed like the 
quality of the music has just declined a little bit on the mainstream radio stations. I'm sure there are a lot of other country music stations that play the more quality songs that actually tell stories. But I think it probably all comes down to what sells. And this review that gave the song an A kind of talks about what a great storytelling job this song does because the the writer says the writers of this song do a great job of capturing both why she stayed so long and why she had to leave and all the conflicting feelings that go along with that and they call the song raw and real and deeply powerful and then another review which is really funny because it was written before it was announced that taylor had written the song this review says The tune is slower and features Karen Fairchild's powerful lead vocals and a simple harmony. If you listen closely at times, it sounds a lot like Taylor Swift's acoustic version of Red. That is funny. (laughs) They nailed it. Yeah. And the writer then says, Better Man tells a story most anyone can relate to, heartbreak. And then they gave a quote from Karen Fairchild, and she said, Everybody can identify with the sentiment of this song. A lot of times in life, there are things that you have to walk away from that don't necessarily feel like the greatest decision to have to make in your life. But sometimes you just know that it's time to move on. And no matter how hard that is, you just know down in your heart that it's time to do it. And those are the very difficult decisions that we face sometimes in our lives. And I think this song talks about that beautifully. And so for me, the key of this review and Karen Fairchild's statement here is that this song tells a story, which is what Taylor loves to do, and which I think is what music isn't really doing right now. And just like that, another review talks about just what you mentioned earlier, stuff about country songs all sounding the same. This review, which gave the song an A minus, said that lyrically the song is a step above most recent country songs. It says, as a whole, the song is perhaps one of the better singles in 2016, in a time when hip-hop country dominates and lyrics leave something to be desired, Better Man rises above them all. It's great to look at the reviews that were made before the announcement, because I've read articles since the announcement, and I've read comments of people who say, oh, I knew there was a reason why I didn't like this song, because now that I know Taylor wrote it, that's why I hated it. It's just so annoying, (laughs) because her name just causes such a polarizing effect among people, I think. And it's like, with any other song, you know, if you normally listen to country music, and or even if you don't, and you hear the song you've never heard before, you're not going to just instantly hate it. People seem to think that knowing Taylor's associated with it gives them a green light to instantly hate it. It's just silly. And it's just frustrating. It almost makes you wish she would have waited even longer to make this announcement, but I'm glad they waited in the first place because if they had just announced it right away, people would have written the song off immediately. So if you look at the lyrics of this song, I think this is some of Taylor's best work. I love that it shows how great of a songwriter she is. We recently talked about how Taylor went to jury duty, and when she had to announce what her occupation was, she said she's a songwriter, and I love that. And for me, the lyrics of this just show that's what she's still about. That's what she's always been about, and that's something that will never change. 
And for me, I was actually at work when this announcement was made, so I couldn't listen to the song until later. And I initially read the lyrics and thought they were great. Just reading the lyrics, for me, some things that stood out before I heard the song. She writes about it being 4 a.m. Used to be 2 a.m. Now it seems like, now that she's older, it's 4 a.m., I guess. I, I don't know. I saw a joke on Twitter that someone said, Taylor originally wrote 2 a.m., but then she decided she probably would want to change it because people would catch on to her. Oh, <laughs> maybe, yeah. The other thing that stuck out to me was the back of my hand line. That reminded me of Breathe. And again, I was just reading these lyrics. I didn't know what the song actually sounded like. But that line reminded me of Breathe from Fearless. And some of the other lyrics actually reminded me of Tell Me Why from Fearless, just in reading them, especially the parts where it's about being pushed away. Uh, You're talking down to me like I'll always be around. You push my love away like it's some kind of loaded gun. And then when I actually heard the song, I had all these other feelings. <laughs> um, the way the song starts with, I know I'm probably better off on my own. And then when you go into the, I know the bravest thing I ever did was run. The way I know is sung reminds me a lot of, I almost do from Red. You know, that song starts out with, I know, but it, just the way the phrasing of it and the tone, I don't know. It reminds me of that song. And then sometimes the instruments of this song remind me of Mean. I feel like I have so many different songs that this song reminds me <laughs> of. It's crazy. Because it also, in some ways, reminds me of All Too Well. Especially the part, I'm hanging on every careless word. That just sounds like something from All Too Well to me. So what did you guys think? I feel like I haven't even had enough time to fully absorb the song because it was just so shocking yeah i agree it's been tough because i haven't heard it on the radio so i just keep playing it over and over on itunes it's also hard because hearing someone who's not taylor sing it it just makes me wish that i could hear her sing it because i feel like even with the lyrics being the same just hearing it in her voice would give it a different feeling yeah i think that was my first thought after i heard it the first time my first thought was, I really need to hear her sing this. That's true. It's definitely a different dynamic. I mean, just think about This Is What You Came For. The song in its original form is pretty different from the song that you guys heard when she played it in Austin. Oh, absolutely. I still think they did a lot of justice to this song, though, because when I heard it, it was a couple, quite a few hours after it was released. And I just kept in my mind that, you know, Taylor wrote this. And it did transport me back in time, and it gave me those little goose pimples. So did it remind you of a particular time frame? Like a certain era? Speak Now. Oh, okay. The Speak Now era. It really transported me back to that kind of time. And then it just, like, it just killed my heart when she said the lyrics, and I gave you my best, and we both know that you can't say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a powerful line. And before that, where she says, I hold on to this pride because these days it's all I have. Just kills you. It just reminds me of Last Kiss and how much heartbreak was in that song. And speaking of Speak Now, the line in here where it says, I know the bravest thing I ever did was run, is interesting. Because a lot of fans have pointed out that in Dear John, 
there's a line I ignored when they said run as fast as you can. So it's interesting to look at those two side by side. How about for you, Ashley and Adam? Did you have any transportation back into time like Haley and I did? Yeah, back earlier when you were talking about the different songs, the one I definitely agreed with most was Mean. And I think it's probably because of the sound. And I don't know if it's because Mean was obviously such a country song, and this is obviously a country song. Uh, Whereas some things on Speak Now, while they were country, they leaned a little bit more towards pop. Um, Just being the pure country song that it is took me back to that era. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I thought maybe it was just me, but sometimes if I'm just in my car and I get this song stuck in my head, I go from this song into mean and it's just a mess It's because I don't have all the lyrics down yet. Well, you know what I think it is? I think it's in the song mean. There's the line, someday I'll be living in a big old city. And in this song, there's the line, sometimes in the middle of the night, I can feel you again. They're kind of similar. Exactly. Yeah, that's where I go into mean. Mm -hmm. It's a mess for me, but I'll get it down one of these days. I think if I had to relate this the most to a particular era, it reminds me of the Fearless era. I think the reason is because I feel like as her albums have gone along, if this makes sense, she's tried to write songs that I don't want to say are less straightforward, but kind of like... I feel like Fearless was very unfiltered page out of her diary, like pure unfiltered emotion kind of. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I know she wrote all of Speak Now on her own, but Speak Now, Red, 1989, I feel like she wrote more in like metaphors, I guess. Mm-hmm. This one just feels like it has a very confessional style that, for me, reminds me of Fearless. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it definitely reminds me of Breathe. It definitely reminds me of tell me why not in the way it sounds but just in the emotion yeah same for me although for me i also hear a lot of speak now and read in there yeah i mean honestly i agree too but fearless was what first popped into my head but i can see those too yeah it's just overall a really great song and for me it it made me think about how i remember when Taylor first released 1989 and she had the deluxe album with the demos and she included the one for Blank Space. And reading reviews of the albums, a lot of people said Taylor might be pop, but she's still a songwriter. And the Blank Space on the deluxe version of her actually getting the song recorded shows that because when you take Blank Space and just strip it all down to Taylor and her guitar, that's what she does. And so we always go back to that quote that Taylor says, she'll never change, but she'll never be the same either. And for me, this just shows and confirms this is what she does. She's a songwriter. She's an amazing songwriter. She'll go down in history as one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And she's so versatile. She can do any genre. She can write for any band or artist. The other thing that I thought about was I remember... Taylor did an interview and they asked what she would do if people ever got sick of her or if she started not having as much as much success. And she said she hopes that when people are sick of her, she'll know to step away, but she'll still be writing. And she said when she's done, she'll be writing songs for other people. And by no means do I think Taylor's done, but 
it is nice to see she's writing for other people. And I'll just be curious to see if she continues to do this more in the future to maybe kind of set herself up for, for me, I'm hoping it's when she's like 50 and she just, or 60 or something and no longer wants to be in the spotlight, but we don't know what will happen. I think that this is all just very important in that it succeeded in reminding people that she's a songwriter first, like you were saying. And I think people definitely lost sight of that, not fans like us, but just the general public, both with, you know, the fact that 1989 was a pure pop album and she didn't write much by herself, and then all the media circus of the summer. I think people forgot where Taylor came from, and I think this was a great way to remind people. I completely agree. So I don't know, I feel like I'll still be absorbing the song over the next few weeks until I have a fully formed opinion. Yeah, me too. It still feels very new. And hopefully it will get a lot of radio play. So we'd love to know what you guys thought of it. You should definitely let us know your reactions. We love hearing them. You can contact us on Twitter at SwiftCast13. We're on Tumblr at SwiftCast13. We're at Instagram.com slash TheSwiftCast13. You can find us at Facebook.com slash TheSwiftCast. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com, and all of these methods are on our website at swiftcast13.com. And if you haven't, please hit the subscribe button on iTunes, and that will download our latest episode for you automatically. So I feel like I resign from what will Taylor do next week, because I I am done. (laughs) (laughs) Like It's just a joke now. I agree. It's so difficult. It really is tough. I'm wrong every week. Last week I said she wasn't going to show up at the CMAs. This week, I don't know. I feel like she's been keeping such a low profile. Part of me feels like she's just not going to be around at all. And the other part of me thinks she's going to announce that she wrote a song for somebody else. (laughs) So it's a big mystery, but I don't know. I can't even say where she'll be. I feel like she's in Nashville. I think some fans may have spotted her around Nashville. So I'll just say she's going to continue hanging out in Nashville and not really being photographed much at all. Yeah, going along with that, maybe she'll be spotted out in Nashville at a restaurant or maybe she'll attend some country music concert uh, and not perform, but just to watch. And maybe some fans will see her and take a couple pics with her. Well, as always, we'll keep you guys updated. And for now, for episode 177, this has been Ashley, Adam, Steph, and Haley. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.